Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. My guest this week is George Hearn, who is one of the major stars on Broadway. Hello, George. Hello, Doug. Tell us about last night's show, a little Sodheim music, the, the concert that was fantastic. It was wonderful fun, wasn't it? Uh, I, I was just saying to you earlier, we, whenever you're doing Steve's music, it's so, you're, you're uh, a little nervous because... The language is like a crossword puzzle. You know, it's a, it's wonderfully tricky, and uh, you could go you could go sky high most any place. But it didn't happen, and I tell you why. We came out, the four of us: Audra, McDonald, and Patty, and Michael Servers. And the audience was so loving, and they were there for a good time. And we relaxed, and we knew if we made a mistake, it would just be fine. So we didn't <laughs> make mistakes. I didn't hear any. And in this, isn't it great to sing with the with the Chicago Symphony? Oh my Lord! You're being, you know, you feel like you're being lifted up by a great hand uh, and carried because the sound that that uh, bed of sound is just absolutely wonderful. They they are beautiful players, and they play beautifully together. And obviously, sometimes not easy. And of course, it is for them because they're such fine musicians. But uh, it was uh, it, they are gorgeous. Yeah, who tell us about the selection of songs? Because it seemed to me that they selected some of his toughest songs for you guys to sing. Well, I think they did. I don't know why they <laughs> why they did that. I mean, Patty sang "Sand in the Clowns," Patty Lapone, but other than that, uh, they were songs that were very tricky. And I don't know why uh, Lonnie Price decided, and, and Steve, I guess, together, Sondheim together, picked these pieces. Uh, but I think they wanted to do some that weren't uh, old chestnuts, you know, the most familiar ones, so that they could, uh, you know, expose an audience more of the. Well, that's good, yeah, because uh, uh, I know there's been several tributes to them, and a couple of them are going to be on the air, are uh, going to be on yeah. television coming up. Yeah, there was the film, New York Philharmonic, which was a nice one, uh, will be on in I think, I think November probably uh, on uh, Channel 13 or you know the Education Channel. Yeah, uh, and he's over in London now, having another tribute. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't he? Didn't he come in, into Chicago to see? Uh, come to Ravinia to see uh, the, the one of the dress rehearsals? He did. Yeah, he came, and then we had a wonderful party at the Steins, which he w- went to, and then he got on a plane. But dawn the next morning, and flew to London. Hey, I don't blame him. If I make it to eighty, I hope there's lots of parties, <laughs> and, and I'll go to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, um, so. Now you, this is your your fifth year at Ravinia. What brings you back to Ravinia? Well, Wells Kaufman. <laughs> That's what brings me back. He's the one who asks me if I'll do another one, another thing, and I just uh, I just love doing it. I love coming here for the just the sheer beauty of the place and the uh, you know the ending of Sunday in the Park with George with all, all those people on the lawns and the parasols and all. It feels like that here. It's just like a, an artist's paradise everybody tells me that uh there's a certain energy in the in the, once you walk onto the grounds that you just don't see anywhere else it's magnificent the cicadas are loud at night yeah sometimes were, it's a storm <laughs> well knock on wood i have i have not been there i've dodged all those i've been very lucky well we had i'll tell you the first time i was out here with uh doing swingy todd uh, an hour before the curtain uh curtain no curtain uh, an hour before we we started, there was a tremendous thunderstorm, and then it cleared off immediately. 
and and we did Sweeney Todd. So it was kind of very exciting, you know. Kind of added to the ambiance of the show. I say, well done, Wells Kaufman. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's that's uh, you wanted to clean that out the wonderful. park a little bit. <laughs> well, last night I was in the rehearsal yesterday afternoon. I went out in the hall, and there was Frederica Ponchata walking down and doing something. Oh, I hadn't seen her in a long time. It was that's the kind of thing you get here too. You run into all sorts of wonderful people, you know, and uh, artists. And, uh, it's a wonderful place to come. Yeah, and and this, again, back to the last night show for a minute. Some of the songs you guys did, I I, I thought the the uh, the Sweeney Todd bit with the three of you was was terrific. Tell Did us a little like about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's fun because I like Michael and he like we we get along really well, and we, Patty, of course, we all get along. So it's, it's really playful, and again, it's something I, we never had any difficulty with it. But you know, if you did. The audience would forgive you, probably, and, and uh, it would be part of the whole thing. It, it was fun. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, well, that's a pretty tough song to do. There's well, a, it is. There's, a lot, there's it, lots of parts to that. <laughs> there are, and lots of words where you you can go off in the wrong direction, you know. But uh, it's probably, it's in our bloodstreams now, I guess, and we uh, we love the piece so much. Yeah, it's, I, I think I still call it a, an American opera. And I no think, question. And I think eventually it'll be on the it'll be on the opera list. You know, the lyric in Chicago and all around the world they'll be doing it as an opera. So do I. It's like Porgy and Bess. It's that it's not, it doesn't fit into a neat box. It's sort of in the middle, and I I love those pieces. Yeah. And you know. Well, at Ravinia, let's go back a little bit. Uh, you were you were an interesting King Arthur. <laughs> Thank you. I bet you enjoyed that, huh? I did, you know, a year, many years ago, back in the 60s, I had done it on a tour and understudied Arthur and played him a, a few times and then a paper mill playhouse. And then, you know, the years passed and, I, and I, op- I listened to it and I opened the book and I thought, this is too, just too old-fashioned. You know, people won't take to this. It's corny and the music's all right. But, and then I got to working on it and then I, we did it for the audience and it was a tearjerker and and a really moving piece. Well, one of the uh, things I thought you brought to it was was that you didn't play him as kind of a wimp like some people do. You you played him as this strong this strong king. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, uh, that was I hoped that would happen. <laughs> come across. Well, he goes from being a kid uh, at my age a kid, a kid to uh, uh you know, to maturity. And so you got to be able to span all of those but I was amazed. It still worked very well, and it was great to sing with Sylvia and Rod too. Cause yeah, that that was a marvelous night. But then I go back to one of one of the great nights uh, at Ravinia that, that I have ever seen is Most Happy Fellow. I'm glad you liked it. I loved that. Experience. Oh, we, the, us in Chicago, we've been trying to get the you know the regional theaters or you know Marriott and and Drury Lane, Oakbrook, and it to do this show. And they're a little afraid of it because it's a it's a big show. And again, it's it's an operetta. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of big opera singing in it. I, I think it was one of my favorite parts I ever played. And I was hoping that it would, you know, like Gypsy, it would get picked up and, and taken in, or at least, you know, extend the run. Well, so did I. Yeah. I well, I, it, I asked Wells Coffin, I said, how come you didn't get great performances to uh, record that? So, you know, so yeah. they could have it every year, you know, when the, when the PBS stations are begging for money, it would be one of those featured shows. 
But yeah. I guess there was some technical uh, issues there. But uh, but he he said he, he tried to get it done. Ah, it's a great piece. Yeah, I loved I loved singing it. Those, that big high testatura thing is very gratifying. <laughs> yeah, and you and you up. you were right on your game with that, weren't you? <laughs> Thank you. I felt pretty good. It did feel good. I love singing like that, and I liked the the whole story. It was wonderful. Yeah, it is. It is a cute story. So now you got to tell us that you're. I assume you're staying in Chicago to do rehearsals for uh, Annie. Get your gun. Is that is that uh, part of the plan? I am. We have two more weeks here, which is a real blessing. And the problem usually is you come in, do the show, and you're gone, and uh, didn't get to relish the place. You know, this is wonderful. Uh, we start rehearsals tomorrow, and uh, my family's here with me. I have a 13 and. 11-year-old sons who are one plays the piano and the other the violin and Welts has arranged for them to have some, you know, some uh, musician take them under wing and kind of go to rehearsals. And, wow, uh, that's terrific for them. I know Wells is big on the, on the sharing uh, with the, the younger musicians. Yeah. I, yeah, he's got a program for that that's really strong. Well, that's, that's great for them. Isn't that great? Yeah. It's wonderful for them. And they they like the show. I mean, you think 13 and 11. But they were amazed at the stature, the scope of last night. And then the party, too, which was, I don't know how many people. Unbelievable gala opening. Uh, and uh, the boys, we rented little tuxes for them, and they looked great. And and uh, they were they were very impressed with it. I things. did see two young, young people in tuxedos. That, those, that was my son. Those were your son. Okay. I'm sure. They looked very sharp. I, I was, you know, walking around the grounds waiting for the show to start. Terrific. Uh, so well, you're doing Annie now. Have you ever done Annie Get Your Gun before? No, I'll tell you something, something worse. I've never even seen it. Before. Is that right? And, and then when I was in, when I, when they asked me to do it, to stay on and do it, I, I, uh, I got it out and saw, I guess, Betty Hutton do it. It was a little over the top, but... Uh, yeah, that was the hokey one. Uh, the the one uh, the Jerry Orbach revival with with Ethel was pretty good. Was it great? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's well, it's so shocking. It's one of those shows where you say, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know that song was from that show," because uh, every song is a, is a hit, isn't it? I mean, one of the great. Many people uh, think that's one of the five greatest scores of uh, Broadway musicals. I'll be done. Yeah, I, I won't debate what the other four are, but it's in, in everybody's list. It's like in the top five. Yeah, those are great songs. Yeah, they say the falling in love is wonderful. And, uh, no, I, the only thing I sing is I play Buffalo Bill, uh, which isn't the lead; it's a cameo part, kind of. But a, it's no, no, it's like it's it's hard to sing that song without sounding like Ethel Merman. You know, she put such a print on it. Uh, yeah, no, she did. <laughs> I had the honor of seeing her do it in a revival in 1966 with Jerry Orbach. Yeah. And, you know, I'd seen her in those MGM films, but I could not believe how that lady could belt. I mean, everyone else, you know, hello, and she's, hello, you know, she's like, just saying hello, She did, her her voices rang off, you know, the rafters. Yeah, I, she must have been something. I wouldn't have wanted to have been married to her. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine what your home life would be like. Oh, you've got to be saying a lot of yes, dears. That's for sure. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, uh, so what got you to do Annie Get Your Gun? Was it was that Wells again? or, or is this... That was Wells. Yeah. Well, and Lonnie Price. Uh, uh-huh. Lonnie said, hey, George is going to be here anyway. 
and I know he loves being here, so why don't you just ask him to stay on with it? Because he'll have his family with him, and they always bring my family, which is great. And we stay in a beautiful place. It's it's a wonderful uh, event for us. So why not? I mean, it's a yeah. tremendous, tremendous summer vacation, the likes of which you couldn't get anywhere else. Uh, but but at Rivini, it's wonderful. Well, that's a tribute to to your name, and it's a tribute to the work that you've done over the years, particularly uh, some of the great stuff you've done at Ravinia. You know, Wells doesn't miss a trick. That's why yeah. Ravinia is is such a top drawer. What a brilliant guy he is! Yeah, I know. Just as an aside, I've interviewed him a couple times on, on for these broadcasts, and the first time I interviewed him, I go into his office, and there his desk is blank. There's no, I mean, none. I had all my notes. And he went on and on about everybody and all these different events. You know, they have a different event every night, and he knew everybody's background. He, his, the depth of detail without any notes in front of him was just incredible. Yeah, he's a brilliant guy. Yeah. And apparently he thrives on it. Yeah, he does. Thrives on the, oh, yeah, the he, fundraising. He loves doing all of it and he, because he's brilliant at it. And he loves the arts, and he knows you know, classical and musical theater. Oh, yeah. Well, he, yeah, he's, he's big on all of it. I, uh, I agree, and... And uh, I see this year, because I was kind of kidding him, I said, you know, you got to run these musicals more than one day or bring them downtown or something. So thank God he's, Danny Get Your Gun is there doing three performances. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's terrific. Yeah, he, he is an astonishing man. And, you know, when, when the arts are shrinking everywhere in the, in, the, in the country, in the world for that matter, because of the financial crisis, Wells Kaufman and Ravinia, it seems to me to be expanding well, the crowds were terrific. I don't know what the crowd was last night, but because uh, but uh, I got there early and the lawn was almost all, all filled up. There was a few spots only open. That was like like five thirty. I heard rumors from everybody, but I, I heard fourteen thousand at one time. Fourteen? I, no, I, I, yeah, I believe I it. Heard. Amazing. Yeah, I believe it. And and they put those uh, uh, those video screens out there so the people way far in the in the park could still see. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice little touch that they do, and the, and the sound is good out there. It's beautiful. It's so beautifully done. Yeah, and uh, uh, I could only barely hear a couple times when it was quiet. I could hear the, uh, I don't know what they were, the the bugs that make the noise. I'm not, cicadas. Yeah, cicadas. <laughs> I guess they are. Yeah. Yeah. But you guys belted over them, so that wasn't that wasn't a problem. <laughs> they were part of the chorus, right? It's, it is beautiful. It is really a wonderful place to be. Yeah. I had two years at Aspen, Colorado, back when I was in in uh, college and uh, studied there, and I thought, oh, the world is like this. Uh, and the world, the world is not like that. But I found that it is like that here. It's really it, the stimulus and the uh, respect and the love for the arts. It's just, it's just nothing like this place. Yeah, Chicago is uh, certainly uh, certainly is that. So let's talk about your your background, and uh, in in doing my research, well, everybody knows uh, that that what you did with Lacage, uh-huh. uh, winning the Tony, and and every, I still hear that, and I have a recording of it. Uh, uh, you know, they did when you sang it for the for the Tony Awards. You know, they recorded those and they put out uh, DVDs, and uh-huh. your your rendition of "I Am What I Am." Uh, Whenever anyone says, you know, who's a great singer, I, that's one of the first things I put on. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. That, tell us about that, how you got that role. Uh, I had done Sweeney, 
and uh, I had, uh, fortunately, and I had seen the French movie, Ablacage. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I don't think I would have quite understood what they were up to, you know. Uh-huh. I loved doing it, and uh, I was doing a play called Who Done It, which was so bad that the Times called it Why Do It. <laughs> Is that yeah. I've, I've never Hermione, heard of it. Hermione Badley and Fred Gwynn were in it, so I had a great time. Yeah. But uh, it was a terrible... But anyway, we were waiting, and uh, and they came to... Uh, Barrymore's where I used to hang out, and somebody said, if we get the dress and the wig and Teddy Azar does the makeup and the shields, <laughs> would you audition for this part? And I go, oh, man, no, of course not. I'm not going uh, but uh, Colleen Newhurst was a dear friend at the time. She said, oh, come on, George, come on. You're, you're secure enough in your maleness, so you don't need to worry about it. And, and uh, of course, the quality of your fan mail may change, but <laughs> it, it did not, actually. So you were competing with all the drag queens then? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, right away, they, I, I sang My Heart Belongs to Daddy, and I, said, I had my hand on the piano. And afterwards, they said, oh, Arthur Lawrence and Jerry on came running up said, oh, you, you, you're, you're going to do it. You, you're, this is great. Uh, we loved your dignity and that you didn't camp it up and you just stood there with your hand. I said, if I'd have let go of the piano, I'd have fallen to the ground. <laughs> Fortification. It was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. But, and, you know, it, was, uh, it, was, it turned out to be a great experience. And I, I found my wife. <laughs> in it. She was is that right? In the uh, ensemble. She was a dancer, yeah. Now, that's an interesting, there's a lot of irony in that. Isn't there, though? Yeah, <laughs> doing a part like that and you're finding your wife. <laughs> she was dressed as a man and I was dressed as a woman, but we figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, I mean, that's still, uh, that's still, uh, do you do that song when, you, when you're doing concerts? I'm asked to do it, uh, you know, it's a kind of signature song, but uh, it depends. Uh, it, it's a big song and it's a, uh, you know, it's got enough anger in that, and it's, 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 sometimes it's inappropriate. Isn't it? Yeah, so I don't do it. I don't do it a lot. Uh, I sometimes song on the sand, if you remember from that. Sure, uh, that's a that's a tender love song. Yeah, yeah. Gene, uh, you know, Gene Barry sang. Oh boy, he was good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's gone now, but I yeah. he, he was wonderful in that part, and that whole cast. And we remember. And you you broke new ground there. I mean, when I first saw it. I guess I was like everyone in the audience. We weren't quite sure how to deal with it. I know. But then we, you know, because you, you go there and you, you you suspend your belief and you sort of let it happen, and then, and then we start cheering. It's, uh, I, yes, that's the effect that story has. It's, uh, and I have countless magnificent stories about the uh, about the events that happened and how people were touched by it. And uh, and then I went to London after two years in New York. Went to London for another year and did it. So I did three years altogether. How did the English audiences take to the show? Uh, it was they were a little cooler. Mm-hmm. I think this time around, uh, they with this revival, I heard it was finally received uh, with open arms. I'm surprised, but well, because I know the the Dutch and the Germans love drag shows, but maybe the English aren't as uh, hip on that. Well, I don't know. I said, uh, you know, I don't think you can get into Parliament without having done <laughs> a drag <laughs> show. <laughs> all, all their universities do all that stuff, you know. They, That's I, true. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of amazed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of stories about that, too. But 
three years was enough, and I was really relieved to, to hang up those high heels. And Boy, that's a long time. You, you, get, you got pretty good with them, though, after three years, I would imagine. Either that or your ankles are shot for life. Well, I, I'm, unfortunately, I did. And, and, you know, I said, I'm dead either way because uh, if, I, if I'm good at it, if I'm bad at it, they'll say he's not a very good actor. And if I'm good at it, they'll say, "Oh my my, isn't he good at that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, I couldn't. It was a it was a lose lose situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you uh, then then later, Sunset Boulevard came along, and that was your your second Tony. Yeah, tell us about that. That's that's one. That's a lovely show. Well, it is, and I, you know, Andrew wrote those two songs that I sang. I really liked. I thought they were terrific, and I loved the part and. Uh, uh, I was down and out in Beverly Hills when they came out there to open it, uh, to start it out there, and I, uh, it, it got me back to New York because I'm not fond of Los Angeles, uh, not very fond of it, I, and uh, I was eager to get back east, and so we uh, we came back with it, and and uh, it, it was a nice experience. I was standing with a stagehand looking at that set, that magnificent yes, set. Yes, the staircase, yeah. I, I said, I've never seen anything like this. He said, you won't again either because it makes no financial sense yeah when it opened here in chicago it got the set got a standing ovation yeah yeah that's 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 kind of rare yeah but it, you know it, it is uh, natural to the play because oh, yeah. uh, it is the setting is certainly an extremely important part of it uh, no it was a, it was a nice time that was too then one of the other shows that that uh, you've been in and out of a few times is wicked yeah, I did that uh, a few years ago. It was my last kind of run on Broadway, uh, and uh, I liked it. I enjoyed it. The girls were great. And, you played and, the uh, wizard, right? Is that right? Yeah, and it's not a you know, huge part, certainly not the central part. The girls are, and, and uh, but it was a, a joy to do. You get that one number, that one cute uh, kind of vaudevilleish uh, little little dance number in that show. Yeah, I hope I did it adequately. I, that's not my forte, but I did have fun doing it. Yeah, it was it was playful and good, and the show was you know quite moving in some instances. You know that I I liked it. I had a good time, and I I could do it again. See, I, you, you know I had retired. I can I went up to the country and bought a farm up on Lake Champlain, and I love there being there with my boys and my wife, and it's a great life. And I don't miss the theater that much. So you semi-retired, or? Yeah, I, I, the only thing I've done is a couple of readings in Ravinia, uh, and then six hours from New York, and I'm and I, not eager, but I, I would go back if something really swell came along and they wanted me. Uh, but being semi-retired is, is nice. I like it. I like farming and gardening. Well, gardening, I'm other farmers. Why is it that, that stage people do that? end up on a farm i know george m cohen in the famous film he he went uh when he had enough of broadway he bought a farm too why is yeah it? and you're not the only one i've, I've i know several that have done that well sondheim has a place up in the country too i i you know i tire of the city i mean doing eight shows a week is is your life when you're in a show that's all you can do because that's particularly a large part you know like swinging you don't have any life but recovering the next day and get you know nursing your voice and, and going eight times a week it's hard. Yeah, what do you have to do to keep your voice? I mean, you're you got that big voice and and I know in the opera they they give you what two or three or four days off in between performances. But yeah. in a Broadway musical, you could be doing on a weekend. You're doing four and two days, right? Right. 
Marilyn Horn's a friend of mine, and, and Beverly Sills was, too, and they both said, we don't know how you do it. People in opera couldn't, wouldn't do it, wouldn't even try to do that. Uh, what you do, and then the way you use your voice, I said, well, it's totally different. Uh, what an opera singer does and what they require, the beauty of sound, you know, that they require is a totally different level. Uh, we don't, you know, we're mics now, and uh, and we're not trying to sing with that. The, the bel canto singing particularly. We use our voice differently, you know, and a lot of speaking, which opera singers don't like to do either. It's just a different uh, discipline, you know. So it's a, it's a different set of warm-ups, too, and, and so forth? Well, I don't know that it is so much. I mean, I, I, I warm up similarly, I think, uh, to, uh, I mean, singing is singing, and uh, it's just what you re- require of your instrument that makes the difference, I think. We, uh, there was a learned discussion between Steve Sondheim and a lot of musicologists. Maybe it was here, I can't remember what they, they tried to boil it down to what's the difference between opera and musical theater at its highest. And the only thing they came up with at the end is there's no such thing as an open vamp in opera. But there is in music. You know where they can. You, you can come in wherever you need to come in because they can't time dialogue the same every night. So the vamp has to be open, and then you enter with the conductor bringing you in. But that's not done in opera because the music is more central you know, to the, express, the event than it is in uh, musical theater. That's a good point. I never thought of that, but it makes... It makes absolute sense. But when you think of the demands of Candide or Porgy and Bess or Sweeney, you, you know, there's certainly as big a demand as uh, a lot of operas. I've sung opera. Les Mis, too. Yeah, Les Mis, big, big singing shows. It's very similar. And uh, and the crossover people you know, can be wonderful. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this in the in the remaining time we have. Two questions I love to ask of, of uh, stars who have been around and had a lot of experience. One is, uh, what advice would you give the young performers today coming up? Uh, in musical theater particularly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, well, first of all, I'd say get a liberal arts education. You know, get a foundation in uh, uh, civilization. A lot of actors or probably musicians do specialize so much in what they do that they don't have a when it comes time to do a, a Moliere play or you know a Sweeney Todd or anything there's no historical uh, reference and I think either a self-educated reader or something but you've got to have a general knowledge of your culture that you live in I think particularly to do period pieces yeah I think Absolutely. you're right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, you know study if you want to be a singer study the uh, the, the best classical techniques you can learn. Uh, but at the same time, I've noticed uh, that sometimes opera singers become, we, we vocalize so much to make that uh, what we call a seamless voice like Leonard Warren's and one of the great opera singers, you know. And uh, so it's the same at the top and bottom. But that can be a constraint. Uh, it, can, it seems to me that singers should also study improv. Interesting. Because I think it loosens them up, but otherwise they become a slave to the uh, kind of, uh, and I'm not putting it down, but Fisher Discount, the, the, the very contained singing. And that's not what musical theater requests of you, I think. Yeah, and you have to be, you have to be in character, and, and yeah, you've got to have a range. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's serious. Yeah, and yeah. kind of 
Well, it's like many things, isn't it? You learn to discipline, and then you throw it away. <laughs> okay. You know, you, you learn. You, I've got to learn how to do it right, and then you can let go of it once you've kind of learned your discipline. There's freedom after there's discipline, you know, and uh, it seems to me that the, surely you want to study as much as you can well, but I think improv is good to loosen up an actor. But, uh, you know, there's so many great classical singers. Lazio Domingo doesn't need to be loosened up. You know, yeah. uh, there's great. Actor singers, uh, uh, and uh, that's great advice. And I, I've, I've asked this question of many people, and you're you're the first one to give me that uh, advice. But it makes sense. The last question I have for you is: Are there any roles that you're dying to play that you haven't played? Oh, most happy call. No, <laughs> I loved that. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, you, you know, I've gotten. It's funny. Occasionally, I've really gone after something in my life, like I wanted to do. South Pacific. I wanted to play Emil de Beck with all my heart. So every time I won any kind of award, somebody would call Mary Rogers, who's a kind of friend, and I'd say, hey, what about South Pacific? Well, I finally got to do it, and, and I didn't really enjoy it that much. But uh, I found that if I didn't have too much uh, ambition about what I have to do next, that life presented me with these wonderful things, like Sweeney and Lacage. I didn't, of course, they weren't written before. So I, I didn't want to do them because they weren't there yet. And if I just uh, uh, sort of uh, don't push the river. Yeah. You know, just, it's kind of a Zen life. thing, yeah. yeah. Very Zen. Let it come to you. But that's not true for every personality. Other people will function differently entirely. But, but that's been good for me. Well, you know, and you've mentioned, and we both mentioned, uh, uh, Most Happy Fellow. Maybe the, the, the universe will find a way of, getting that show done and i mean you're perfect for that part and i i hope someone revives it you know on like a national tour or or at least yeah. it, you know because that show that's one that, that once people see it they, they will go wow you know yeah, yeah it's it, like sweeney in its size but it's so life-affirming yeah you know it's so full of that joyous southern italian flavor i i love doing it but yeah. there i'm sure there'll be other great pieces around but i've done most everything i wanted to do and it's great well yeah how how, how few people how lucky you are but uh, that just shows your talent and and you know that that uh, you're obviously a good person to work with because the word gets around you know you, uh, you, you know that uh, hire this guy or don't hire this guy and a lot of times it's not on the talent level right it's on how well they get along with everybody and you know in in the work ethic and you certainly have that because your reputation is very strong thank you i always feel like this is not my scene or your scene. We all make it through the, the eye of the needle together, or nobody gets through. Because the show either works or it doesn't. And you can see conflict. You can see. I have often said, by the time you get the part, it's too late to act it. Because an audience looks up on stage and they see who you are, not what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, how true that is. That's a good place to end it. Uh, uh, folks, thanks for listening, and go see a play this week.